What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode, episode four of the NBA Sane Podcast, the Nothing But Anthony Sane Podcast. Uh, of course, of course, I'm your host, Anthony Sane. This is our fourth uh, episode doing this. Uh, got a pretty good show planned today. Uh, my good friend Nate Chester is coming on from Grizzly Bear Blues, one of the most hated men in local media, local Memphis Twitter, Grizzlies Twitter. Uh, has some very controversial takes over the years. A lot of anti-Jaron Jackson Jr. stuff. Uh, of course, he had the comments he made about uh, the Grizzlies being better without John Morant. Uh, we're going to have him come on in the show. We're going to talk about that. He's got some uh, got some explaining to do, man. He's got some apologizing to do, some uh, some flame-broiled honey gold crow to eat for, for Nate Chester today. He's going to join us as the show goes on. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to talk about the NBA in general. We're going to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, first, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. So much going on with this team. Currently a half a game out of uh, third place in the West with Utah losing. They've got some COVID stuff going on in Utah. They, they're finally getting hit by it. I want to say that it's Gobert and uh, Joe Ingles are the two guys that are out. But it just shows you how important Joe Ingles is to that. And that's Joe Ingles. Uh, shows you how important Rudy Gobert is to that team uh, being out uh, the way that they've been losing lately. Having a loss to Detroit. Uh, Detroit, one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, the Grizzlies are just in a great situation uh, with with Utah being able to possibly catch them. If not tonight um, in the game against uh, Golden State, it seems like it's maybe coming soon. Go, uh, and even healthy, Utah has a very hard schedule going for the rest of the year, and the Grizzlies have one of the easiest schedules uh, for the rest of the season. So I could definitely see the Grizzlies eventually passing them for third, which is just so crazy to even wrap your mind around. Uh, just so many crazy things to wrap your mind around. Uh, props to John Morant, uh, two-time uh, NBA Western Conference Player of the Week. First Grizzlies player to do that uh, multiple times since I think Zach Randolph, I believe, got it twice. But, yeah, just a great accomplishment for John, who's been straight up killing it, um, period. Also, since the last time we had a show, uh, John was third place in the uh, NBA All-Star Western Conference guard votes. Uh, behind Luka Doncic and behind Steph Curry, who's the overall leader. Um, I said on my show, um, Sports for the Six Grind Time and on Twitter, I think Jaws going to be starting uh, guard, one of the starting guards in the All-Star game because I believe that the media vote and the player vote will uh, give him an edge. You know that the, the fan vote is 50% of the, of the vote, but the other 50, as far as the start is concerned, comes from a combination of the media vote plus the player vote. Um, I think that he's. I, I just can't see. I just can't see media people voting Luka Doncic to be a starter at this point. He's a great player, one of the better players in the league, but he's been out a lot, and he just hasn't had a phenomenal season anyway. And I think that Jaws going to beat him in the media vote and in the pure vote. And I can't see any guy that's not in that top three situation jumping Ja and Luka. So I think I think Jaws going to end up being that other. It's kind of complex. You can look at it yourself and kind of figured out, but I think that it's uh I think Jaws gonna end up getting it. Uh, plus he could end up passing them in the in the uh, fan votes. Who knows? I think once you get those returns and people see where the standings are, they kinda it kinda gives them more motivation to vote for their guy. I know I voted for John Moore now since I saw uh where he is in the standings. So you know who knows. Uh something else to be super excited about is uh the progress of uh Desmond Bain. Uh, of course, so far this year, Desmond Bain has been absolutely incredible. I was on here, I think, last week saying that if there's a trade for a Jalen Brown and it includes Desmond Bain, there's no way you do. There's no way you don't make that trade if you're the Grizzlies. 
I, give me a minute. <laughs> Let me process that before I give you another answer. Because Desmond Bay's been flat foot incredible. And what my thing is, man, who knew that he was this crazy? Like the, the moxie he's shown, the getting to the guys' faces, LeBron James' face, talking smack, talking shit with, with LeBron James in LA, you know what I mean? Uh, just, you know, the Grizzlies, there's a story in the Athletics said that, that a, 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 a anonymous GM said that the Memphis Grizzlies are one of the most shit-talking teams, trash-talking teams in the NBA. And uh looks like Desmond Bain might be the leader of that. I mean, we know that Dylan talks nonstop. Um, job probably talks a lot and yeah, man, who knew that Desmond Bain was that dude? Uh, I didn't know he had a chip on his shoulder about where he got drafted. I just thought he was happy to be with the Grizzlies. He is happy to be with the Grizzlies, but he's got a real chip on his shoulder. He, he feels some type of way towards, seems like everybody in the NBA. Uh, so it's definitely exciting to see Desmond Bain going off the way he is on the court and going off running his mouth. Cause Hey man, do it. Beat him and talk shit to him. I, I'm not mad at you at all for that. Uh, Desmond Bain. Um, other good news, Brandon Clark seems to be back. Uh, I, I have the joke that I put on Twitter a lot when I put BCBC, meaning before COVID, Brandon Clark. And he's looking like that guy back in that 2019 uh, 20 season, his rookie season, where he was absolutely incredible. He's been very efficient around the basket. And he's one of those guys. I was in a group chat this morning and I said that uh, uh, Brandon Clark is a morale killer. And the guys thought I was saying that they were talking about our team's morale. I was like, nah, man, when you're up, when you, when we're up nine, and and um and they feed Brandon Clark or alley oop and he throws that joint down. The other team quits, man. Like that, <laughs> I've seen it happen so many times. Like Brandon Clark, those those dunks, those those little floaters inside the lane. He just kind of finds a way to just go on these six point, you know, six six zero runs all by himself on teams, and then you know to get, look up and the game's over. <clears throat> Brandon Clark has been phenomenal. Good to see him back healthy. Good to see his confidence back up. Good to see him back in the rotation, man. I, I'm a fan of Xavier Tillman, but I never understood. Uh, I thought Brandon Clark should have gotten a better opportunity. Um, seeing him out of the rotation, uh, hopefully it was because of injury, uh, but seeing him back in the rotation has been great for the team. Uh, huge surprise to see Zaire Williams do this, man. This guy's like, it's crazy. Because very seldom do you see a guy take time away and then come back and his game is just different without actually playing. And Zaire Williams, basically, he's one of those guys, if you go back and look at some of those uh, interviews he had in, in the draft, he's very uh, understanding the things he needs to work on. He's one of those guys, that he, I remember him saying something about, he watched video of himself playing, he cringed at how bad he was playing, and he instantly saw areas where he could be better. Um, if you're talking about a guy who clearly has a high basketball IQ, clearly is a very intelligent young man, um, very coachable. So I think that, that once he sees you know, and once he sees mistakes he's making, he learns and sees things he can do better. Plus, he said that when he was sitting on the bench, he was able to kind of get a better flow and understanding of the game. I think that's an awesome trait. That's a very rare trait in the NBA for a guy to be able to uh, watch the game without playing and then come in and realize what he needs to do to make his game better. And he's found ways his last few games. I think he's averaging like 10 points a game since he's been back. Just uh, really surprised to see Zaire Williams going off the way he is, but also super excited that that's happening. Um, on a bad note for the Memphis Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks uh, suffered an ankle injury against the Clippers. He'll be out uh, multiple weeks. They're saying maybe three to five weeks. Uh, it's been a bad season for Dylan as far as misfortune is concerned. He's having one of his better individual seasons. But as far as misfortune, whether it be COVID, uh, the, the hand thing he had to sideline him at the end of the season, and now this thing with his ankle, probably going to keep him out uh, around until the trade deadline, possibly past the trade deadline. Um, so 
very unfortunate that uh, we won't see Dylan for a while. Not a long time, not a severe injury, but uh, hopefully he'll come back and we'll be rolling. We can just throw him in. He could just be that uh, that guy he's been spearheading our defense on a perimeter. Um, exciting times for the Memphis Grizzlies. There's a game tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this game on, listen to this podcast on Tuesday, the Grizzlies are uh, hosting the Golden State Warriors. Biggest game of the season uh, as far as excitement level for sure. The Grizzlies coming in uh, fourth in the West, half game out of third place by the time of this recording. Um, the Warriors had the best record in the league. Uh, the Grizzlies have beaten them once. They lost to them in the last game. Very close game. It spread out at the end. Draymond Green isn't playing. Klay Thompson making his return inside of FedEx form. Uh, the Grizzlies are hot. It's going to be a very exciting game, man. Uh, NBA, the NBA released its uh, power rankings. The Grizzlies were number two behind the Warriors at one. So this is basically number one versus two in the league in the NBA uh, writers' um, opinion. So it's going to be a great game, man. Uh, plus also like a collision of the two most hyped up media individuals and John Moran, who's been a media darling of the last few weeks and Clay Thompson, who's back after three years uh, with an injury. going to be good stuff, man. And uh, like we said, Clay Thompson is making his return. Uh, I'm a little nauseous by the uh, coverage that he's gotten. I'm a, a Clay Thompson is a great hell of a player. Don't get me wrong. I, I personally get a little agitated by him. He just kind of doesn't do it for me. Like he's just, he's a real, he kind of gets under my skin personally, which I think is one of the beauties of the NBA when you have guys that can be those heel character type guys. I know a lot of people actually like Clay Thompson. It really agitates me. It agitates the kid a little bit. So, uh, but I'm glad to see him back after these three years he's been away. Um, one of the greater two-way players of all time in NBA history. Phenomenal shooter, one of the better shooters ever. Great defender. Perfect. Uh, 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 just, I'm not going to call him a role player. He's a super, 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 super role player. Uh, I don't know if you can put him on a team where you build a team around Clay Thompson, but if he's that number two guy, he definitely can play that role and be just, you know, he's a superstar that's also a role player that makes any sense. Uh, Clay Thompson is a phenomenal player, uh, a guy who can you can stick on any team, and he's great. You know, he, he, no no team could, there's no team where he couldn't fit in uh, with his phenomenal shooting and defense and basketball IQ. So uh, really glad to see him back. Speaking of guys I'm happy to see back, um, Lance Stevenson, born ready, my guy. Um, Lance will make him dance. If you guys know, I'm a big Lance Stevenson fan, especially when he played for the Memphis Grizzlies, it was literally like a dream come true. Uh, the NBA is, is, is a form of entertainment. And a guy like Lance Stevenson is extremely entertaining. And if you're not entertained by Lance Stevenson, I don't really get to tell you. I don't, give a, I don't even know what to tell you. Whether it's um, how uh, uh, expressive he is on the court with the basketball, the the, the silly things he does, the – how he didn't really care how he'll make a turnover or, or a crazy dribble or take a crazy shot and doesn't seem to care. Or the fact that he's wearing and ones on his feet. I mean, whatever. I mean, Lance Stevenson is incredible and, and I'm glad to see him back. I'm glad I saw that the Pacers gave him a contract with the remainder of the year. He just, he just, that's just a guy that seems like he's always supposed to be with the Pacers, man. Like, and they, and they should have never let him go. Uh, good to see him back. Uh, other things that make me happy. The Atlanta Hawks are fucking terrible. Uh, I'm super excited to see that. Um, they've got a losing record. Um, I've lost a lot of money on FanDuel screwing around with the Atlanta Hawks when I do, uh, when I do like a pick them, when I pick, you know, NBA winners for the night or whatever. And the Atlanta Hawks always let me down, always. And, and, and I'm excited to see them lose. I don't know why I would put my trust in these guys anyway. You know what? I can't stand that franchise, can't stand that organization. Some of their fans, 
I'll make an excuse for you. I'll make an exception for you. For the most part, I hate the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, can't stand Trey Young. Uh, I'm 42 years old, trying to hang on to my hair for dear life, trying to hang on to my hairline for dear life. And I'm looking better than Trey Young, man. It, it's, it's, it's just, just shouldn't be that way, you know? But um, like I said, glad that the Atlanta Hawks are terrible. I dropped in on one of their spaces on Twitter. Make sure you check out whenever I do a space on Twitter as well. Something new I'm trying to get into. Seemed like a pretty cool thing or whatever. So I've been trying to do that. I'll probably do it more. But uh, the Atlanta Hawks are terrible. They ace up. I dropped in on one of their spaces. Their fans are super unrealistic. And look, you guys went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Congrats. I'm really excited for you. But uh, that's not who you guys are. Sorry. That's just not who you are. So don't get excited. Don't make expectations based on that fluke conference finals run that you guys had. You guys are back to normal. You're back to the middle of the Eastern Conference, like I said you guys would be last year. But shout out to you, Atlanta Hawks fans. Your team sucks. Congrats. Um, also things that are wild that are going to the NBA is how good LeBron James is at this point of his career. Um, phenomenal. The guy's 37 years old, and he doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. And it's crazy because beginning of the season, I was like, man, LeBron's slowing down, bro. He's not even trying to score. And it's like, damn, LeBron might have just been peeping the scene. They might have just been kind of surveying things to see what he's got and what the league is like. Because he's flat out been a monster, you know what I mean, for the Lakers here lately. Um, I enjoyed when the Lake, when the Grizzlies beat them the other day because, you know, LeBron was really in his feelings a little bit. But, uh, but don't get it twisted. LeBron still the king, still looking like that dude. Uh, that Lakers team is rubbish around the edges. Uh, his supporting cast is, it just ain't it. Uh, and there are people who actually think that you could trade Russell Westbrook. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that one. Uh, yeah, it's not happening. Imagine being the person who says, man, I wonder what it would take to get Russell Westbrook off the Lakers. I don't think that's a real thing. So, uh, yeah, sorry, Lakers fans worldwide, across the globe, across the galaxy. You guys are pretty much stuck with uh with Russell Westbrook. Um speaking of trades, the trade deadline is coming up next month. We're about 28, 29 odd days away from it. Uh, I don't see the Grizzlies being super busy uh, on trade deadline. I think they're pretty much gonna uh roll with things the way they are. I don't see them making any major deals. Um I also don't think the Grizzlies are gonna draft three first round draft picks. So I would not be surprised to see a first round draft pick go out. Uh whether that's in combination with the player like a Jared Culver or a Kyle Anderson, someone that has an expiring contract. I could possibly see a move like that, but I'm not expecting anything. I expect the Grizzlies to do something because they always do something, seems like. So um, it could be a move, but I'm not particularly sure. Um, you'd, you'd expect that you'd see something on the Ben Simmons tip possibly happen. The Hawks definitely need to make some moves. You're here starting here John Collins, which is crazy. It's, it's so mind-boggling how they're wasting their young players in Atlanta. I mean, I, I know I just got done talking about Atlanta, but it just it's just asinine how it seems like they're just wasting guys. Um, like I said, it's been a great NBA season. Trade deadline is coming up soon within the next month. Your Memphis Grizzlies, my Memphis Grizzlies are looking phenomenal. Um, seems like no matter what they do, no matter who they put on the court, it works. You know what I mean? So uh, that's definitely good to see, definitely great to see, definitely exciting. Uh, like I said, uh, Nate Chester, Nathan Chester from Grizzly Bear Blues is going to join me. Going to jump in and uh, interview him. It's going to be some good stuff uh, with him. We're going to talk about Jaren. We're going to talk about the team. We're going to talk about you know, some trade stuff with the Grizzlies. 
some realistic expectations. And uh, you get to kind of see who he is outside of the nonsense, <laughs> outside of the, the bad guy stuff that he does on Twitter and on his podcast as well. And I'm about to take a break, give a shout out to some of our sponsors. And when we come back, but like I said, Nate Chester from Grizzly Bear Blues is going to join us. This is the NBA Sane Podcast, nothing but Anthony Sane. Visit AsylumTees901.com where you can find T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs representing your favorite Memphis sports teams. Designs are available in men, women, and kid sizes. Check out our featured products and sign up to be the first to know about our new releases at AsylumTees901.com. Global Shortage on Chicken is finally over, but there are still places that will tell you that it is hard to find, except for our good friends at Poultry Power. The dedicated staff at Poultry Power is currently delivering chicken in bulk to your home or business at prices lower than your local grocer or food distribution company. Having a cookout or a catering event? Tired of being told no by other food companies when you need chicken for your restaurant? Poultry Power is here to save the day. Visit poultrypower.org to place your order now. And remember, when others blame the shortage and tell you no, Poultry Power has the power to tell you yes. All right, we're back on the NBA Sane podcast with your host, Anthony Sane. Uh, have a special guest that I told you guys about earlier in the show. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a good friend of mine. Never met the brother. I don't think I have. I know who he is, though. You all know who he is. One of the most, uh, 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 what's the word I'm trying to say? Not anti-famous. What's the word? Infamous. Infamous brothers. Infamous. In this whole Grizz Twitter media sphere, my good friend, I guess I call him man, my friend, my good friend, Nathan Chester. Nathan, what's going on, man? Not much, man. We actually met, I think it was like two summers ago. Do you really? remember when I was like doing like some summer availability coverage for the draft, like leading up to that? I think that was the first time that we actually met, but that was before, I guess I had the infamous bad boy for summer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I guess we really hadn't truly met at that we point. We met where? At a draft party or something? No, it was like um, not the draft party. It was just like oh, the summer media the, when uh, when uh, uh, the Jaron Jackson Jr. draft with Chris Wallace. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Chris Wallace's final days. Yeah, that was a scrum. Yeah. I was looking inside Chris Wallace's head, like, man, shut the hell up. Somebody took a picture <laughs> of Chris Wallace, like, you know, you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Well, Nathan, you of course do some work for SBN Grizzlies. Uh, you're also known, of course, for your uh, Twitter activity, things that you say and don't say. <laughs> on Twitter, uh, <laughs> basically, you're you're known for uh, your takes on Jaron Jackson Jr. You're one of the hardest guys on Jaron, and uh, something you said in joking that kind of went semi-viral with the uh, whole John Morant stuff. Uh, John Morant saw it, took it personally, like he does most things. Uh, called you out on it. Um, you of course joked about the Grizzlies being better without John. Well, actually, it wasn't even you joking about it. It was. Uh, uh, 
It was Joe. Yeah, yeah it was Joe, Joe Lomax who, was joking about it, but you, you I, I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story about it. Like, I don't think, I think even the people who like know the context of what mm -hmm. was going on don't even know the full story. So I wasn't even watching the game that night. They were playing <laughs> the uh, Sacramento Kings. I was uh -huh. in my youth. Okay. Like I'm teaching people about Jesus. I'm not even worried about the Christmas <laughs> that night at right. all. And so, and so that night, um, it was they were playing the Kings. It was their first game without John. And I walk out of youth group, and my phone is blowing up, and I see that John Moran has tweeted me. And so I go, of course, I go immediately to the Grizzly Bear Blue Slack. I'm like, Yo, what is going on? <laughs> Why yeah. is my phone blowing up? What is going on? And you know, Joe had made that tweet. It, it, it was funny. Um, it was probably something that like a lot of people outside of our kind of little core group inside Joe didn't really get. And so you know, John was obviously one of those people and he saw it and like you know he, he wants to take it personally which is good yeah. it's fine look for motivation wherever you can find it yeah, and sure. so we, we, we were kind of already working in a bad situation and then i wanted to have a little bit of fun with it and me having fun with it probably just threw some gasoline on it and and that's how all the way through monday morning i was having half the city of memphis dunking on me and i, <laughs> I don't i don't I don't remember when I muted the thread on Twitter, but at some point I was just like, yeah, this is probably not going to be anything constructive. For yeah, me. <laughs> your clown count, your clown count was probably in, in, in quadruple figures at that point. So uh, uh, I just, I just stepped away from the phone. I'm a part of a, like a young adults ministry at high point church. And I had mm -hmm. people later that week walking up to me that I didn't even know that I like, I had maybe had one conversation with previously. <laughs> they didn't even know what I did. Right. And they said, we didn't know you were that guy. And I was like, that didn't sound like a positive thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious, bro. Well, uh, you definitely had a strong take. Um, and, and you you pretty much own up to it and you kind of leaned into the, the bad guy part of it, which is something I can definitely get with. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, Chester is irritating on Twitter, but I love what he's doing because man, <laughs> shit, I've been that dude. You know what I mean? I had people mad yeah. at me because I wasn't, I would, I would talk bad about Marcus all all the time. I could not get on board with Marcus all like people did. I wasn't this huge Tony Allen fan like most people were. Like, I get it, bro. Like, and, and it was genuine. Like, this is how I really felt. I wasn't saying it for anybody's attention or, or for a response. It's just how I really felt, man. And, and Sure, sure. And like, you, you know, know, for me, first of all, like my rule for how I carry myself on social media, and I think this should be the same rule for everybody else too. Don't mm -hmm. say something behind a screen that you wouldn't say in person. So mm -hmm. like, I'm with you on that. Like I say what I mean and what I feel. I do think my tone for some of the things that I've said over the last year would be a little bit different if I was consistently in the locker room. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because like, because like when you start to develop friendships with people, it becomes right. different. And I, mm -hmm. I don't know, but like I've met many of these guys guys that I don't have like most of them would not know me walking down the street mm -hmm. or anything like that so like outside of like a stray interaction or something like that like they wouldn't know me and I don't know them personally and so that kind of creates mm -hmm. a little bit more of a distance for me to be a little bit more brutally honest than I would be if I'm like you know, Jared Jackson's my friend. I want to see that mm -hmm. guy succeed. And obviously I want to see him succeed anyway, because I'm a fan of his, but you kind of get like, there's a little bit of a disconnect there when you're right. not actively in the locker room every single game. And see, that was the problem. That's, and I talked to Joe about this and that's the only problem I really had with it was that I was like, okay, that stuff y'all doing is cool. And I know y'all didn't mean no harm. But poor Parker Fleming's got to be in the locker room with these dudes. You know what I mean? Well, we're not in the locker room. Uh -huh. He's got to see him. You know what I mean? So that was the only problem I had with what you guys did. But it was funny, man. We talked about it on the radio the next day. You created some copycat 
haters as well. Uh, we had fans <laughs> that were trying to do trying to do you live and direct in, in the audience, and and Ja really uh, spoke against that as well. But it, it was cool, man. It, it served its purpose. Um, <laughs> but you've done it about face. Uh, you jumped you jumped into a Twitter Spaces with me last night on Sunday night after the Grizzlies got their big win against the Lakers, just beat their brains in. I want to say from I wanted to say from bell to bell, but can't do that. I was really pissed that, that we start that we pulled our starters and that lead got away because I, I, I wanted that 30 point victory. But anyway, um, we still beat the Lakers handily. And um, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a, he's had a phenomenal weekend. We get so excited about the wins that we've kind of overlooked some of the individual stuff that happened on this weekend. Ja was yeah. averaging 20 something points a game. I want to say he had 11 blocks over two games. I want to say he had double digit, re he had double digit rebounds last night. But he had, a, I think he had a pretty decent rebound in the game in the first game too. But we're overlooking the fact that Jaron has had, a, had an incredible weekend uh, at the center position. We talked about this in the spaces last night, how uh, it's good to see that Jaron is much farther along as a center than probably anybody would have thought, you know, because we were all were like, well, I don't think Jaron's ready. He's probably a couple years away. I'm glad Steven Adams is here. The way he's playing, man, now he's not playing against premier guys. He had uh, Ivanka Zubak the first game, and then LeBron James in center the next game. So it's not like he's playing premier centers, but he looks a lot closer to being ready to be in center than he looks uh, being a starting center than he looks to being, you know, not ready. So I think that's a good thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. And like on a side note, I think I don't want to hate on guys who are having like their opportunity to have like real NBA minutes, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's not a great look when the bench mob has been like to say they've been run out of the building in like these fourth quarter blowout minutes like twice in the last week. That's an understatement. But like I think it was a 22 to one run at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, got kind of, it was 19 and so, like, it, in 20. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, it's kind, it's kind of embarrassing when you have to bring the stars back in. And you pulled them too early, though, man. I was mad because I was like, bro, don't pull them yet. Like, get it to make make the Lakers like really quit before you because you see because when you saw the Lakers coming at you hard, like don't pull your guys thinking they're gonna pull their don't thinking they're gonna let up because they're gonna keep the momentum going. Their guys trying to get contracts over there. Guys trying to extend their career over there. So no, nah, don't don't pull them, man. And he sure, pulled them in the sure. middle of a run. You know what I mean? I was like, nah, fam. Right, yeah. right. But as far as like Jaron is concerned, and you know, we talked a lot about this in the Twitter spaces mm -hmm. last night. Um, first off, he proved a tough reality for the Lakers. And I know they kind of had this nice little four or five game winning streak with LeBron mm -hmm. James at the five. You're not gonna be able to pull that crap with skilled size in the playoffs. No, no, like when you no. when you're playing against a skilled five or even someone who's just like an extremely physical bruiser like Steven Adams, like it's a neat little trick that you can pull off against some sub 500 teams, but you're not gonna be beating anybody significant or good with that. And Jaron Jackson just like he had one play near the end of the second half, and I think I tweeted about it where he used his footwork mm. to beat Avery Bradley off the dribble, which Avery Bradley's six two and say what you want about him, he's still probably a borderline elite perimeter defender. Yeah, yeah. So he uses his footwork to get by him, and then he finishes over 6'9", LeBron James at the basket. And when you see plays like that, when it's all starting to come together, you know, I, it makes me feel bad about criticism that I've given. Like when I felt like I was just being brutally honest about the mm -hmm. situation, I think mm -hmm. when they lost on the road in Minnesota by 43 points earlier this year, I made a tweet. I didn't really intend that happened this year too. Then. Ne negative reaction, but I was just like, you know, he scored 20 points two times this year through like 23 games. Mm -hmm. You know, where is this offensive leap that we all thought we were going to have? And I still think that's going to be in the cards for him. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't think we're going to see that necessarily this year. Um, I think if you want to talk about like the Grizzlies taking another step, um, 
like the Grizzlies becoming the next Warriors and taking another leap and winning 60 plus games next mm-hmm. year. I think a Jaron Jackson offensive leap is what you look for to try to make that a reality. Right. But seeing what he's been able to do as a five over the last few games, Nuts. you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and say like, you don't need Stephen Adams because Stephen Adams has been phenomenal the last six weeks doing what he's been doing. He single hand, like job made the game winner and he was great in the fourth quarter and the third quarter, but Stephen Adams won that game on the road in Phoenix. Get seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter of that game without without Aiton there was nothing the Suns could do so Mm -hmm. even Jaron on his best night is probably not going to be doing stuff like that but you see him coming into his own attacking the glass I think he had 20 rebounds over his last two games Mm -hmm. between the Clippers and the Lakers and defensively like he's been great defensively all year long but he looked like the defensive player of the year against the Lakers and Clippers like like there's no not first team all defense not second team all defense he looked like the DPO why he was an absolute menace inside the paint and i told you i was going to do this in the twitter spaces and i still haven't done it yet i want to see like what percentage of his blocks comes when he's at center because he's great no matter where he is but when he is at center he changes the complexion of the game defensively yeah and and it seems like because he he was really jovial after the game yesterday he was talking about he was like yeah man like i gotta give props to big steve because like you know like I had to go in there and get rebounds today and that's harder than it looks. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and it's yeah. like, um, I think that he knows that there's a mentality switch when he plays that position and he's really, he really stepped up to the plate, man. And like you said, it's not a situation where it's okay. You feel like you have to rush and do something with Steven Adams, or even if you could do something with Steven Adams, but you feel like in the event that one, once Steven's at one, Steven Adams contract is over next year, that you'll be, that he's ready. He'll be ready to be your starting center going forward. And, and that's, that's really wild to see because I didn't really, I wouldn't say that at all going into the season. I thought Jaron was probably a couple years away from looking like he could be an NBA starting center. He looks like he's probably ready now. And, and, and like the cool thing about it is like when he's at center, there's almost a personality difference for him. Yeah. And, you know, everyone speaks highly of Jaron, his impact on the team, but I don't think anybody would be willing to call Jaron a dog and the way that Jabarant, Dylan Brooks, and Desmond Bain are dogs. He just doesn't appear to be wired that way. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Right. Like that's cool. Everybody, yeah, yeah, not everybody's wired that way, but like there is like a different approach to his game when he's at the five spot consistently, like the way that he, maybe it's, there's a little bit more of a swagger when he's attacking the glass, the way that he is, or just dominating the paint defensively. But over, there, there was a literal change in his demeanor over the last two games that you really have not seen at all this no. year and really no. have rarely no. ever seen over the course of his NBA career. Yeah. He's been, he's been hyped for sure. Well, with the way the Grizzlies are playing, they're currently uh, fourth in the West, a game out of third place behind Utah. Uh, development is looking crazy. Taylor, Taylor Jenkins looks like he has his thing going well. Um, the playoffs seem obvious. Finishing outside of the play-in tournament seems obvious. Finishing in the top four seems highly likely, like that's about to happen. Yeah. Uh, how do you see – what are your realistic expectations for this season? Like, can this be a team – that can have home court advantage in the playoffs. They can get out of, out of the first round. That can uh, battle a team like Golden State or Phoenix in the second round. You know, possibly a Western Conference Finals team. What do you see as a realistic expectation uh, for this team this year? And also, we'll just make this all one segment. You can just go at it for the next few minutes if you want to. Uh, do you think it's time to make a trade? Do you roll with what you have, or do you kind of use this opportunity not only – to, to go in and possibly go quote unquote all in for this season, but possibly make some moves this year that could set you up for the future as well. 
Yeah, yeah, like I'm, uh, when I say I'm on team no trades, I kind of mm-hmm. mean that specifically for this year. I don't mean mm-hmm. like I'm just beholden to this core for like the next three, right, four right, right. years. Like I'm kind of like, you're playing so well at this point. And granted, I try to take the level-headed approach. And I think this is true for NBA teams, NFL teams, whatever team you want to pick on. Um, I don't think you're as good as you are at your peak. And I don't think you're as bad as you are when you're at your lowest depths. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Grizzlies are not this what we've seen for like the last 10 games, but at the same time, like this hadn't been a 10 game thing. It's been a 20 plus game. Right, right, right. Where they look like this, where they've taken a leap and where they've started to gel. So um, if something like, if you can move Jarrett Culver, Kyle Anderson and two of those first round picks for Jeremy Grant, you do it without hesitation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like you do it. Like that's not something that's really going to disrupt the core that you have. And it's something that's going to make you better and maybe help you take another step towards title contention this year. If you can pull something off like that, that's great. I don't think that's going to be in the cards. I think Chicago can just offer up Patrick Williams right. and like that, that'll supersede any realistic offer that Memphis would be willing to make mm-hmm. or something like that. Jalen Brown's not going to be on the market this year that's a pipe dream that's maybe something you can re-examine in a year but I don't think any type of meaningful trade is going to happen but even mm-hmm. with that in mind uh, Taylor Jenkins has got a very legitimate coach of the year case right now yeah. and um, typically the coach of the year award in the NBA is not given to the who overachieves the most because if that were the case uh, Taylor Jenkins should have gotten it two years ago but um, when you take into fact of what they were expected to be and right or wrong there was a national media narrative that the Grizzlies were intentionally becoming worse in the short term by trading Jonas Valanciunas and even I was on board that train at one point mm-hmm. and yeah yet you look up and they look like a title contender okay right. that's like a type of overachieving that you really can't explain away and I think it'd be really I, th- I think it would suck if you just give it to Steve Kerr or you give it to Steve Nash or something like that I really right. think that would suck I really think Jenkins deserves the honor as of now and I think the Grizzlies are going to stay right where they are they they are currently one game back of Utah so anything's possible they could move up to three if they beat Golden State on Tuesday night as of now they would be two and a half games back of the one seed in the west anything is possible right um I tend to Utah has been struggling the last few games I think they've had COVID stuff they've had they they, they're just now getting their COVID hits so yeah yeah, so it, it's possible Memphis passes them. That's not my expectation. I think it's probably more likely they stay at four. Your realistic case is that they finish four right here, right, and they have home court in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. Dallas is playing well right now. You got to give credit to them. They uh, soundly beat the Chicago Bulls on Sunday, who were the second hottest team in the NBA uh, behind the Grizzlies so they're starting to click they're starting to gel um, and so that could end up being a tough first round matchup uh, look uh, Ja is getting Ja has done a lot to bridge the gap but Luca would still be the best player in that playoff series and sometimes you know having the best player in a playoff series is all that you need I would still expect Memphis to win that series and I'd be I think you could be um, I think you can be disappointed because they didn't meet expectations that they did lose that series. So um, I expect them to finish it fourth to win a first round series, whether it's with the Dallas Mavericks or it, part of me wants them to send LeBron home. Part of me really wants <laughs> to see that. Like I yeah. just, he, he was so agitated last night. And I think oh, yeah, he came sure. into that game. 
he really wanted that game coming into it. And then when Bain and Josh started talking to him, when they were starting to blow them out, like I have never, it's been a long time since I've seen him that agitated at a regular season game. Mm -hmm. So I would love the opportunity to send him home. And I, I, you know, you don't want to bet against LeBron and Anthony Davis, but any team with this version of Russell Westbrook at point guard, I can't pick to win a playoff series. <laughs> like, like, like that man sucks right now. I, yeah. I, I, he, he looks like an absolute shell of himself, and I don't want to go up too long of a tangent on that, but yeah. I think Memphis will win in the first round no matter who they play. Golden State becomes interesting to me, and I mentioned this in a Twitter space back on Saturday night after they beat the Clippers, but – you know, Clay Thompson looked good this first game back, and so maybe that's something you need to bet on. But I don't know how much I trust their shot-making outside of Steph Curry in a playoff series right now. Are, are you really going to bet um, Gary Payton the second, Jordan Poole, and Damian Lee to make big shots in the playoffs? Uh, I'm kind of iffy on that. And, like, they got a bunch of guys and Steph, Clay, and Draymond who've been there before. But I think Memphis could win that series. And so you talk about a potential Western Conference Finals appearance. I would say that's probably the peak upside, something like what Atlanta did last year. Um, I think Phoenix is a bad matchup for them. I don't really think they have any type of matchup advantage on Phoenix. And I think Phoenix is a matchup has a matchup advantage on everybody. So mm -hmm. um, I think Western Conference Finals is kind of like what you're looking at the peak upside for this season. And that's so crazy to say, bro, because this was the year we heard Zach Kleiman sit in front of the media and say at the end of the season last year, this might be a year that, you know, we get better. I mean, it might be a year where we take a step back to take steps forward in the future. And this was him sure. knowing he was getting ready to trade JV. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know what I mean? And to be here, man, is, is, is nuts, man. It's, it's, it's nuts for sure. And I'm sure an aspect of the team that you, that you like, being a guy who embraces being a villain or a bad guy is uh, the way that they talk smack. Like few others in the league, uh, you embrace it, they embrace it, so I'm sure. And that's probably why I embrace this team so much, too, because of the talking they do. That's something I talked about in, in the segment earlier before you came on is, is how much this team runs their mouth, especially uh, Desmond Bain, and it's exciting. I love it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, like, I like to see the other guys get Yeah. If, if you're going to do it, you got to be able to back it up. But they're, they're not just backing it up. They're obliterating the teams that they're playing, like over the last 10 to 20 games. It's not just squeaking out low scoring wins mm -hmm. like the grit and grind era did. And that's no disrespect to them, but they did not possess the same level of swagger, no. the same no. level of moxie. Um, they were extremely tough. They were extremely physical. They would kind of like break an opponent's spirit slowly over the course of a game, but they'll just mm -hmm. rip your heart out. This group will just rip your heart out and like they'll mock you while they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy for sure. Um, and just piggybacking on something you said um, about the whole Jeremy Grant thing, whether it's Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes or whoever you might be interested in, I think if you can get a guy added to this team, because if you think Jaren's your five next year, if you can get a guy who's, especially someone like Grant, who can be a defensive guy who can defend and can give you some buckets, even somebody like maybe Larry Nance Jr. or something, like if you can get that guy who can be that four besides Jaron who can guard the KDs, the LeBrons, you know, get those guys, the Giannis's, get those guys a hard time, make them work. I'm not saying that Dylan can't do that, but it's the difference between a six 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 seven guy and a six eight six nine guy checking some of the better scorers in the league, the Paul Georges, you know, the Kawhis, because every team, every championship team has had that long, versatile guy on the team, you know, so that's what I'm kind of looking yeah. at. Um, I think, I think well, the opportunity is great. 
Yeah, I'd love Larry Nance here. Um, unfortunately, I'm sure that Portland has seen Anthony Simons last few games, and they've convinced themselves that once they have a healthy Dame and a healthy CJ and they have Anthony oh, Simons next garbage. year, they're going to be back in the playoffs with Larry Nance. So I'm Man. sure they've already talked themselves yeah. into that. But, but uh, Sean Coleman, another GBB rider, you know, he was expressing concern about, like, the contract that you'd have to give Jeremy yeah. Grant and what you'd have to pay him in the future. But mm -hmm. um, to your point, when you're talking about – when you talk about Jeremy Grant in particular, you know, he's played out a role in Detroit. He's averaged mm -hmm. like 22 points a game, but he's had to, he's been very inefficient. He's had to take, somebody's got to score 20 on an awful team like that. And he's been the guy to do that. But when you talk about, so like take a starting lineup right now where you got Ja, who's a superstar, and then you've got two great perimeter scorers in Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, one who's make, staking his claim to be one of the three or four best shooters in the NBA. And then you've got Jaron Jackson, who can be a three-point sniper when he's got that area of his game going mm -hmm. and who's a defensive menace, and he can give you 20 on any given night. If you add somebody like Jeremy Grant, who's not only giving you another defensive stopper like you're talking about, who can check the other teams like dominant perimeter scores and playoff situations, you're getting a guy like that who's six foot eight and who can score from all three levels on the court. Yeah. At that point, you really don't have any weaknesses as a team. Like maybe you want to add another shooter here or there there or something like that but at that point you've got guys that can create you got guys multiple guys that can check dominant perimeter scores mm -hmm. you have guys that can shoot that's everything you need to be a bona fide title contender year in and year yeah. out so yeah maybe you have to hurt the wallet a little bit to keep a core like that together but you're going to be in title contention year in and year out with a team like that yeah uh good friend of mine cam rose he, he's leading the larry nance campaign he wants uh, larry nance jr and i can see it He's a guy, like I said, you know, super versatile defender, contract not as big um, as Jeremy Grant. But I definitely think we need to get that guy who can be that versatile 4-3 if you think Jeremy's going to be your center of the future. Well, Nate, I appreciate you coming on with me, man. Uh, good stuff as always. This is our first time really sitting down and talking on this level, of course, and uh, I really enjoyed doing it, man. Just give a shout-out to some stuff you got going on uh, over at Grizzly Bear Blues, and we'll wrap this thing up. For sure, my man. I appreciate it. And you can find all my Grizzlies-related content at grizzlybearblues.com. I got my own podcast over there, the Core 4 Podcast, where I record with Bryce Hayes. He's somebody that you should give a follow as well. He's probably the most positive Twitter presence that covers the Grizzlies. And he's also an elite media group. He talks to Kendrick Perkins and guys like that on a regular basis. So he's somebody that's good to catch up with. But yeah, we got good stuff going on over there. And like, thanks for the opportunity, man. I appreciate it. Oh, for sure, man. Again, this was my guy, Nate Chester, Grizzly Bear Blues. Check him out. He's a Holy Ghost Field brother as well. <laughs> Check him out with your local youth group. That's probably why we relate too, man, because, you know, I did my youth group thing, thing too. It's, it's in me yeah. still, so, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll plug myself there. Yeah, yeah do that. I, I did that hoping you were going to come out and talk about <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm go. a youth pastor at Trinity Baptist Church. And our youth group meets on Sunday nights at 6. On Sunday morning, Sunday school's at 9.30. Main service is at 10.30. So, hey, if you're looking for hey. a church community to be a part of, come on down, man. Come on down. 88.99 Trinity Road. Yeah, bet that. Bet that. Again, it's my boy, Nate Chester. Nate, appreciate you, man. Again, uh, special props, shout out. Thank you to my, my guy, Nate Chester, for joining me today. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with him. Uh, good opportunity for him to be uncut. Just kind of, you know, see who see who he is outside of, uh, you know, the stuff for, for Twitter and social media and media and things like that. Um, you know, we, we put these personas on sometimes, you know, for the people. 
<laughs> and Nate kind of does a great job at that. So I'm glad that you could hear his uh, his opinions here. He could eat, glad he could eat that crow in front of you guys. Apologize for his takes on Jaren, his takes on Ja. But yeah, Nate's a good dude, though, man. Uh, hope we wish the best for him. Hope he keeps grinding. Um, but thank you guys for checking me out today, man. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, you know, super exciting game here tonight. The Grizzlies getting ready to take on the Warriors. According to NBA.com, this is number one versus number two. This is Alabama versus Georgia. This is the game of the century, of the year so far. But yeah, uh, big game for the Grizzlies. Hope they can really pull this one out. It'll be huge, man. Uh, super excited about things that are going on with the home team. Um, for sure. So, uh, but yeah, but thanks you guys for checking me out. Uh, got more coming. I'm liking the Twitter space and stuff. I'll probably do one of those after the game, depending on what time that game ends. I'll probably be up. I'll hop on with you guys for a little bit. Um, got some Patreon-only stuff coming. Got some live stream coming uh, for the show uh, where you guys can jump in and interact with me. Just trying to do more, man. The more you guys support, the more I'll be here. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, content, like, you know, show love, man. But until next time, it's NBA Sane Podcast, nothing but Anthony Sane. See y'all next time. Hey, just want to thank you guys for coming to check out NBA Sane. Whether you got here via the website, NBASane.com, or via the NBA Sane YouTube page, thank you for checking me out, man. Hope you enjoyed the video. Hope you are looking forward to more. Uh, while you're here, uh, check out my Twitter. You can find me at, at NBA Sane, as well as at Sane Asylum. On Facebook, you can find me at NBA Sane. And I also have a Patreon page for anyone who wants to support and partner with me. That's patreon.com slash NBA Sane. Thanks again for checking us out. And hope to see you again soon.